You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. This is going to be so cool. By the way, I know you worked with um, with ESPN. That's pretty sweet. Um, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. I, w- I I mentioned that. Just Disney. I was born in Winter Park, Florida. My parents met at Walt Disney World as characters. So that's... Go, <laughs> go Disney. <laughs> um, all right. The let's, happiest place on earth. Okay. It, it, yeah. It, ex- that's right. it, it explains it all. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, right. <laughs> that's exactly right. That is exactly right. Oh, Uh-oh. gosh. You almost took the whole... Uh, uh, yes, Yash yes, you're losing yourself. Oh man, Yash, your your laptop almost went. Our what? editor that uh, mouse was uh, bothering me. <laughs> you okay? Your pen down there too. Oh, here's your fat in that. Okay. All right, we're cool. good. we're good. All right, I will do a quick away. intro and we will rock this out. Um, cool. Let's do it. All right. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young. We are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and we are here with Esther Weinberg from the Ready Zone. Now, let's talk a little bit about this. When you think of a company that you want to work for or the company you do work for, what thoughts come to mind? We're sure the company would hope that uh, it's fair, effective, agile, hardworking, efficient would be the first things that pop up, but that might not be the case for everybody, especially some people listening. Now, for those of you that come up with a list of less flattering words to describe your company, it's important to know that just like you, your managers are relying on their training as well, and effective leadership is not something that just happens. Now, our next guest has made it her mission to make that happen. This is uh, an organization called The Ready Zone, and The Ready Zone creates work environments that are more effective and efficient by helping employers value and effectively create relationships with their their most important assets, which is you. It's the people. It's the people that work for them, that are on their team, that make things happen. We always talk about it. We spend more time at work than you do with your family. So it's got to be something that's fun, but it's got to be something where everybody is together and being effective and being efficient. And the only way to do that is through effective leadership. And I'm so excited to jump into this. So thank you so much for joining us and welcome to this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. Thanks so much. I love that intro. There's so much to say just about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to dive into it. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, we know your time's valuable, so we're honored you're here. And uh, so let's just start by learning a little bit about you. Um, you're the obviously the lady behind the business. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this world. Yeah, you know, it's, it's crazy, really, because I started off in marketing and publicity, and I don't think I ever would have thought I'd ever be in this world. In fact, if you asked me back then, would this be your business? First of all, I don't ever, I don't think I would ever thought I would have been an entrepreneur. So that's number one. <laughs> <laughs> Fell into what, it. No, what, no t e Are you kidding? <laughs> you must have lost your mind somewhere along the way. <laughs> Where's my budget? <laughs> so, <laughs> No, I, I never would have thought that. And I, I wouldn't have thought that I'd be in this line of work. But it was really interesting. I remember there was a pivotal moment when I was I was an executive at Disney and I was in the senior executive team. And I remember there was a moment when we were all sitting around this, you know, very old school conference room uh, table and the CFO pro- proudly proclaims that we lost a third of our workforce. And I remember being horrified. And there was a woman in the room who was a management consultant. And I kept looking at her because I kept thinking, 
isn't that your job? Like, shouldn't shouldn't all of us be collectively horrified that a third of our workforce have left? And I remember he said, well, we're Disney. It's not a problem. And I thought, no, no, there's, there's, yeah. oh, there's something there. And I remember there was a certain point when I, inflection point when I worked for Disney where I think I got to a place where it just wasn't a long, no longer a fit. I think I, I, I had elevated to a position where I didn't like my job anymore. And I think I stopped respecting my boss. And so it was mutual. We both said we'd part ways. And then I remember I just, I didn't, I thought I was going to start a PR firm. And then I remember there was something that hit me and thought, this path of self-discovery and I'm, I kind of stumbled on the profession that I'm in now. And it really, when I stumbled on it, you know how like when you stumble on something in your career and then you connect the dots back and you say, oh yeah, I've been passionate about that for a long time. And so that's how it ultimately manifested in, in starting the business a long time ago. So you said that you never wanted to be an entrepreneur, but working with Disney, ESPN, you know, getting up to the role of, you know, vice president of media relations, that's a really big job, right? And then yeah. you're gonna transition that where you have all of these layers, right? And I don't wanna say red tape, but you know, there's red tape, right? Yeah. Like you have all, and now you're just gonna, you're, you're gonna go do your own thing, right? So tell us what, what made you finally make that decision and say, you know what? I can make this happen. And then let's go into what that Mindlight group was. Uh, and then obviously the ready zone as well. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's actually a talent that I don't highly recommend everybody get, which is that I decided to quit my job in the same day my boss said that she, that I should go. So it's talent. Not everybody has that talent. Yeah. <laughs> Good timing. Perfect. Perfect so divorce. Right I'm glad there. we're on the same page. <laughs> Like I'm out. And she's like, good. I wanted you out. So, yeah. <laughs> That's great. So it was all mutually beneficial. It was because I had they reached a point when I was devising my own exit strategy for a while. And I hadn't, I think that when I decided, when I realized when that, that I was going to leave, I didn't know what I was walking to. And then I just thought, well, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, so I'll just do publicity. And then I remember I was going on vacation and a friend of mine, she wanted to go drive up the coast of California. And I was like, no, nah, I don't really want to do that. And I went up going to to uh, Thailand, Vietnam and Malaysia for five weeks. And I was in a monastery arguing with a monk about the impermanence of life. And I thought there's a problem here. <laughs> <laughs> arguing with the monk. That's not a good transition being an entrepreneur. But I came back and I thought, you know, there's only one way now to be your own boss. And I remember at one point when I was doing the transition, because I was still, when I decided I was going to start my own company, I was doing publicity work because you, know, you just can't sometimes just say, I'm going to start a business, goodbye, and then just go whole hog. And so I wanted some kind of transition. And I remember I was working with a company and we were representing a, like one of these TV shows that it was just so bad taste and they did practical jokes on people that were very harmful and i remember one day the executive producer was screaming at me about something because we didn't photograph something on set i mean something so benign i thought wait a second i have my own business now i don't need to work with you <laughs> and so i'm gonna fire myself and you <laughs> at the same time and and i will say that that was the moment when i transitioned fully to doing my business and because I think there was a, a lever where I just thought, you know, the one through thread and everything was the importance of people development. And I would say the real through thread was this whole concept of 
really bringing human dignity inside of organizations. And so at the Ready Zone, we're all about, you know, look, if you think about it today, people going through, it's like drinking out of a fire hose. You know, there's so much change going on for all sorts of reasons that we could get into. And leaders just want to feel ready to powerfully take on all the opportunities and challenges at their feet. They just don't know how to. And we really believe that you do so by creating workplace cultures where trust, respect, and psychological safety are not just valued. No one would argue with that, I hope, but they're as measured as the bottom line. And so we've created these six diagnostic areas to really see whether or not either you or your team, your organization are doing that. And when I go and I look back, you know, like connecting the dots, back to my early days when I was working at Disney and Fox, those are the same things I was passionate about then. I just didn't necessarily package it. <laughs> Years bring wisdom <laughs> the way that I have right now. Yeah. So that's my short, long story for you. No, I love it. And you have, uh, I mean, that's a, that's an amazing story to get this started. But now when you go on the website, thereadyzone.com and you check it out, it, it, it's, it's fascinating not only what you can do for organizations, but really how you're coaching and teaching these leaders on not only how to be leaders, but how to really run your organization. And one of the things that you have on there is investing in your people and company culture is not optional, right? I think that's so important. And we've had the, uh, you know, the blessing to have a lot of people on this podcast and learn what really makes leaders great. And I think the leaders that are great are the ones that, you know, don't take a lot of credit. They give a lot of credit to their teammates, but they create an environment where you feel like a family environment, a place that you want to go to really a place that you don't necessarily think of as a job, right? It's just really something right. that you love to do. And, and I think, you know, Scott Dunstan is, is that in our organization. It's why people work here. It's why people stay here. But you see a lot of companies that don't have that, you know, and that's where you can come in and really support that. Now, I'm going to jump into this question because sure. I think I'm a millennial, barely, but you look at these <laughs> generations that are coming in now, and for the yeah. first time in our life, or maybe not the first time, but for me, at least the first time in my life, it's not about bottom line. It's not about just making money. It's not about even just you know what benefits you're going to give me. I want to know what that organization is doing. How are they giving back? How are you going to train me? How are you going to make me a better person, not only in the office, but outside the office? And I think that's now forcing and driving leaders that may be in their 60s and 70s that never thought they're like, I'll just give them a 10% raise and everything will be great. It ain't like that anymore, right? And people in the last two years have jumped jobs left and right and this and that. Right. And, and people are saying, I want more than just what you're going to pay me. I want to become a better person. I want to give back to the community. So how has that played a role into not only how you're coaching these people, but give us kind of a, a landscape of where business is and what leaders need to be doing to not only attract talent, keep talent, but train talent in, in, in within so you have a company that continues to grow. Because look, the reality is this, the most expensive thing to, to your bottom line is losing employees. It's way more expensive to replace one than to make one happy, coach them, train them, make them feel like they're part of the team and really have them become more of a valuable asset in the future. Well, you know, it's so it's so funny because as I'm hearing you speak, the one thing I would say is I think that, um, not, to, not to necessarily categorize myself in a generation, but I am one, <laughs> so, but I'll say that I think that your generation has it more right than the rest of the generations have had. And, you know, lots of times I'll hear people complain like, oh, the millennials, oh, how do I get the Gen Z? And I'm just like, well, maybe you need to listen to them. You know, so I would say that oftentimes what happens when I say that you got it right is because isn't there is an old adage that says everything starts off as a profit problem, but it's really a people problem. 
And what happened, I think what we saw, I think the workplace itself has been ripe for transformation for a long time now. COVID was was a weird gift that helped. I mean, I don't mean that COVID's a gift. I want to be clear about that. But it was a weird, it, it was a, a something had to happen on a global scale to move people into a state of doing something differently. I don't think that it would have happened organically. It would have taken a lot more time. But for example, in 2019, I'll just give you an example. There was a president of a product division. He was on the phone with me at five o'clock in the afternoon. He's like, he sat, first of all, he, I'm on Zoom with him. He looks terrible. He looked like he was going to pass out and faint. And I'm like, are you all right? And he's like, oh, I was in the hospital last night. I had kidney stones and, you know, they, um, they kept me overnight. I went home and, you know, so uh, here I am. And I'm like, what do you mean here you are? Here you're not. You're going home. <laughs> right? Like, what the hell is that? And he's like, no, no, no. I have a dinner in a, in a couple of hours. You know, when I'm done with you, I got to go to this dinner that's really important with this potential new client product we're launching. And I said, look, you're going home. You're sick. And at the fact, if you don't have someone who can replace you at that dinner, that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. So that was in 2019. Now, if you spin forward now to answer your question more precisely, is that I think what we're seeing is that, I'll give you a great example. I was talking to a head of marketing at a a large entertainment company. And she's like, you know, we're really, this was a couple of months ago. And she's like, you know, we're really struggling trying to figure out this hybrid work environment and how we're gonna get people back to the office. And she's part of the senior team. And I said, well, what's the conversation like? You know, how are you, what, what, how does the conversation evolve? She goes, it doesn't just, we go circle, 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 circles, and then we leave, you know, those meetings, you come, there's a, a fake agenda, people talk and nothing happens and you leave and you have to meet again, right? So that's one of these meetings. They've done it several times, right? And so, so I said to her, why don't you change the conversation? The conversation's about not how we bring people into a physical office space, like it's a prison and we're gonna throw away the key, but what kind of environment do we wanna bring people to that's going to be more valuable because I think what happened also before COVID is that people kept thinking, oh, ping pong tables and dry cleaning and free food is what's going to keep people in office and keep them happy. But then all of a sudden you sent everybody home. You didn't have that stuff anymore. So how are you going to keep people happy? And what people forgot, leaders forgot, is that culture is portable. And I think that's the biggest lesson is that culture is portable. And so you forget that if culture is portable, and that's the real question. If culture is portable, how do you reinvent it? Because it's not, culture is everywhere. It's more than the smell of the place. Now you don't have the smell of the place because people aren't in the four walls of an office. And so now what are you gonna do with people? So that's the thing we I really talk to leaders about is that where what environment are you bringing people in? And you don't need a big budget for this. You know. So for example, like when, I remember when COVID started, people were like, oh, no meetings on Fridays, and we're going to give people mental health time and all that. You think that exists anymore? People are like, no, <laughs> bottom line, recession. Are you kidding me? Supply chains, inflation, talent retention, talent acquisition, oh my God, get me out, you know? And so what's oddly happening I see now is that now that we're on the other side of a pandemic and that there, you know, we're on these heels of these economic, political pressures, social issues, then now people are being squeezed differently and there's a different kind of mental health crisis. And so leaders need to continue to lean in because this is not a pill that's gonna cure an ill. Like someone called me the other day and said, oh, I think I need 
this senior executive to have coaching because he's a bully. I'm like, he doesn't need coaching because he's a bully. This requires a different kind of intervention. Like you have a bully, how are you tolerating a bully who's bullying people on staff? Like you just don't. So I think that there are simple things that you can do in order to give people the place so they feel inspired to do the work no matter where they are located geographically. It's a really good point. Yeah, and I'm, it is a good point. And, and you you think, I mean, in your business specifically in the last three years, how everything has changed. Um, I did love that you mentioned specifically about, you know, creating a culture is portable type of an environment. And one of the things on your websites, it says big pivots, big impact, big returns. Tell us right. what is your potential client when people are listening to this is, are you looking for, you know, specific type of organizations and really what can the ready zone do for organizations right now that are listening to you going, this is us, this is us, this is us right now. We got to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, it's a big question with hopefully a easy answer. <laughs> so what I'd say is that, so when people start working with us, people come to us, first of all, the organizations that we work best with are organizations that are going through massive amounts of change. They're high growth companies that are going through massive amounts of change. Now, the question that we typically do when we sit with an organization, because we have this diagnostic framework, we affectionately call zone performance indicators. What we do is we sit with them and we basically start off with, we've created our own diagnostic assessment that looks at all those six areas to see where you are in that now it's not to say that hey i'm great at that i stink at that but you know you have to remember that areas that you're weaker in how are you going to actually create breakthroughs in them by the areas that you're strong in so often people just want to rush to where they stink but what we do is so we look we create a diet so we've got these six zones we have an assessment to basically look at that we look at within the zones and we say okay within that where where do you need to leverage up? Where do you find that it's really working well, but you don't want to not pay attention to it because if you ignore it, it'll become a problem area later. And so that's where we actually start. And what I find too is that executives appreciate having a framework because people want language. You know, they, you don't want to just come in and say, oh yeah, you have an issue over here in finance. Like, okay, well, I don't know what that means. You know, it's easier if you come in and say, Hey, you know, we're going to look at our, what kind of team for, how do you form teams together? Not just throwing people together, but how do you do that? You know, that's impact ready. If we're going to look at how visible, how influential your leaders are, we're going to look at influence ready. If we're going to look at the, the bottom line foundation of the house and we're looking at emotional intelligence, we're looking at how people are setting boundaries, how people are effectuating that kind of change. We're gonna look at action ready. We're gonna look at how people are fostering consistency and communication, taking responsibility for their communication, engaging in that kind of tough conversations. We're gonna look at connect ready. So I think it's an easier way for people to say for your either as an executive or team or an organization, here's where I, lie, here's where I land on the pie and here's where I need to leverage up or where I can scale a bit down now. Yeah, that's I'm with you on all of this. I, you know, I, I'm on your website and you have some amazing um, information there. I would tell everybody to go to the ready zone and check this out. Uh, it's the ready But, you know, in mentioning about like, you know, specific leaders, what are you seeing right now? Like skills that leaders need to be um, 
maybe putting in their arsenal per se in this kind of ever-changing vibe? Like what do leaders need to be doing and what is the most important things that they need to be doing now that maybe they didn't need to do three or four years ago or maybe 10 years ago? Oh yeah. So, well, there's, there's a few God, you know, we could, I could be here with a list for a while, <laughs> but I would say, <laughs> I'm sure. but I would, but I would say is that I think that the most important thing is, for example, if you're leading a changing organization, I'll give, I'll give you an example. If you're going to lead a changing organization, the one thing that we encourage people to do is to create this concept that we call of pivot moments. Because if you think about it, when we talk about change, I find that is a very overwhelming concept for people, especially in organizations talk about change management, which we don't believe in. The reason why we don't believe in change management, management is because everything is change. And so why are you making it an event? Oh, we're in a change management practice. No, you're not. <laughs> your organization has to be agile and how do we create that kind of agile environment so when we talk about pivot moments if you really think about it what prevents an organization from really shifting all the data shows this it's because people really don't want to you know we're we're not we're hardwired for change and not hardwired for change it brings about so much angst you know what are the big things that organizations fail on when it comes to change. They don't communicate, they communicate as a one-shot deal. They don't ongoingly communicate it. And they don't think about this is a change that's gonna, let's say this, for example, I have an organization right now that's a client, several of them that have merged companies and they're thinking about it in the next six months. I'm like, it's gonna take you two years at least for this to right-size itself. And so, and they're, and they're saying to me, you know, our people are so freaked out. We're bleeding people, they're jumping ship. And I'm like, okay, let's ground it. So what are pivot moments? Anyone can change in a moment, in a moment, in a single moment. And those small changes lead to massive ones. And so that's what we mean by pivot moments. And that is comprised of looking at what your current reality is, your emotions about the change, how you experience it and what actions are you taking, if you get real with yourself or not, in order to make sure that the change is actually happening in the way that you want to? And then you can, so I'll give you a great example. So I had a, a client of mine, you know, this is just an, this is an individual executive, but massive impact. So her boss is the president of a big division at an organization. She's the number two. And her boss, what she said to me, she's like, look, my boss is someone that can't make decisions. She vacillates and she can't handle conflict. You know, it's a wonder that people get to these kind of positions when they can't make a decision. Wow. So, Seriously, you know, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, they've made the I think what happens is, is that you become a good tactician, but you're not a great leader. You know, and it's one of these things if you keep making at a certain point, I find this is tangential to the point that if you keep making money for a company at a certain point, your leadership will catch up with you. Your poor performance in that area will catch up because you can't take it over the finish line fully. Right. So as an example, she's like, look, you know, I'm stepping in and making my, my client's name is Aisha. She's like, look, I'm stepping in and making decisions where it's not where I shouldn't be or she's pushing to be more strategic out of sheer frustration. And she's like, look, I just want to, I just want to manage up. I don't want to do her job and my job at the same time, or give me the title and let her go. You know, like, why are we all here? So when we talked about what her, her emotions were, she's like, look, I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm disappointed. And when I asked her what her experience about her bosses, she said, she doesn't know how to manage or lead. 
Her lack of strategic making is going to get us into trouble, which it did later, which I'll tell you about. She isn't strategic and she has, she leads with a massive ego. But I said to her, okay, well, what actions, if you have an intention of really managing up with greater ease and being a collaborator with her, tell me the actions you're really taking to support it. And she starts laughing and she's like, well, <laughs> I had to be honest, I'm stepping in to make decisions where it wasn't appropriate. She asked me for a reorg plan for me to do with my peer, who's also someone who can't make decisions. I just basically did it because he, he was not strategic. He couldn't think. He kept blowing me off. She's like, so I just wrote it. So when I say pivot in this moment, what I really mean is, um, is she paused to get real with herself to see what's feasible. And that's what I call possibilities. You're looking at the current reality possibility, possibilities to see something for what it is, not what your preference is. So when she got real, she realized she didn't speak candidly with her boss about her frustrations. She was tolerating the behavior to the degree that it was intolerable and the pain of it gave her a place to move. Now, when she realized all that, she could put she can put herself in the place of the driver's seat. And I call that your opportunity. That's to determine practically and pragmatically what you need to stop and start doing to create a new outcome. Now, just imagine if we were able to train and develop everyone to create pivot moments where they could look at their current reality, what's possible and the opportunity, I bet you we'd have different levels of change happening. Because I, I think that that was what creates baseline sustainable change. Because sometimes what you're looking at as an executive, you're looking at the cause, you're looking at the effect, but you're not looking at the cause. And so what we find, we teach pivot moments and people really practice it. They're able to get to the cause level so their effect can be better, not the other way around. That is a ton of information and is, and is fascinating. There's a lot of psychology Th there in is. there, for sure. <laughs> One thing I want to mention is, is you know, so we're, we're a small company. You work with a lot of different size companies, but organizations that everybody has heard of, NBC, Microsoft, ESPN, Nike, Warner Brothers, CNN, Nike, Paramount, obviously yes. Disney, mm -hmm. National Geographic. I mean, huge companies. And I feel like there's yeah. a lot of entrepreneurs or leaders that might think, well, of course, Disney, you know, goes through the ready zone and they work with this amazing person. It probably cost a ton. We don't need that. We don't have all these layers. I, I'm a good leader. But are they right? This is something that I want our listeners to realize. It doesn't matter if you have two employees or if you have 2000 employees, it will all work to help your organization. And I'd love for you to kind of maybe talk a little bit about that where these things are, are things that big organizations are looking at, but these are things that every size company needs to look at and are things that every size company can implement, whether you are a two person company or 2000, like I mentioned. Yeah, you know, you reminded me of something. So, um, and, and I'll answer your question. So you reminded me of, I remember there was several years ago, I had reached a place in my business when I thought, I don't know if I wanna do this anymore. And my interest started lying in other places and and I moved to Uganda, Africa, and I was doing, I was running my business in the middle of the night, literally, and I was doing organizational development and child rights work in the day. So it felt wow. like superhero powers. And so- wow. That's what, what I'm I, talking about. <laughs> wow. but what, I'd, what I'd say is, it's for another podcast, but what yeah. I'd say is that it was amazing. But what I'd say is that, um, I mean, you get a dose of sobriety when you're in a car because that was really our main mode of transportation, doing an assessment on an AIDS malaria tuberculosis project. And there's a young doctor sitting in the back seat 
and you realize that if I get my assessment wrong, people die. I've never had that before. I've never had that happen before. And so, but I will say when I came back to the United States, the one thing that really I got really strongly is what everyone wants across the board is human dignity. And so when I came back to the US and I started almost building my business from scratch, I thought, well, I can't speak that way to people. That's not resonant with people. Look, you all are marketers. You know that that's not buzzy, right? <laughs> We're gonna be about human dignity. <laughs> no, so, um, so anyway, but I will say that it's the fabric of everything that we do. So it doesn't matter. So what the work that I was doing in Uganda was all about the work that we do now, the essence of it. So if you think about, if you go back to what we talked about, we started, no matter what your organization is, no matter how many people you have, if you're just in the mindset of how do I create this environment where trust, respect, and psychological safety is valued and measured as the bottom line, then it doesn't matter the size of your organization. You want to, and even to get it more granular, that's how you retain people. And retention, and losing people costs a lot of money. Just think about how much it is to replace people. And so that's why the building blocks and the foundation of what we teach people or what we shepherd people through or what we consult with organizations on, even through all the zones, is very basic and foundational. But you have to remember, um, basic is not necessarily fundamental or foundational the way people see it. They'll step over it very fast. So any size organization can benefit. That's why any size organization can benefit from what we're talking about. Yeah, I love that. They, they, there's a quote, and I might butcher this, but it's, uh, you know, employees do not leave bad companies. They leave bad leaders or bad managers. That's right. right? Um, and, and I think people need to realize that, right? Like it's, it, it is, you know, it's, it's a whole different dynamic, but the reality is things have changed quickly and you need to be up to date on not only how you lead, but really it's not about necessarily how I want to be or how I need a leader to be. It's how I want to be led, right? Not every single person in an organization is going to react the same way. We talk about like love languages. Our office is a small office. We're all different, right? But it makes us great, but we all can't be managed the same way or led the same way. Um, and I can only imagine with a huge organization, it's even more diverse and even more layers and things like that. Well, I would just add one thing that I think is really important to remember. Not everyone wants to be the CEO of the company. So we have to stop treating people that way. Like this person is a high performer. That person is a high performer. This person we're going to promote. Okay. If a person really loves the work and loves the job that they're doing and they don't necessarily want to get promoted, they want to be acknowledged for their work. I mean, yeah, everybody wants to make more money <laughs> and they want to be treated well. Those are foundational things you can do for anyone. And so we have to remember that just because someone doesn't want the next promotion or rung on the ladder, not to dismiss them. Those are invaluable players on your team that you just don't want to throw by the wayside. And sometimes I have leaders like, oh, this person's not really ambitious. They don't want, I'm like, how do you know? They don't want the next thing. That has nothing to do with ambition. Are, do, are they hungry in their work? Are they bringing you great ideas? Yes. That's someone you want to invest in and keep. So how are you going to do that? I love that. You have a, um, a lot of, uh, like I mentioned the website again, but there's a lot of services that you have. You also are a speaker. 
um, which yes. is awesome. Tell us about not only if people are interested in the services, but we actually are in an organization that I think you would be a phenomenal speaker um, for, for this group here in Charlotte and would love to Sign get their up. information. <laughs> I will. Um, but what are what are some ways for people to get in touch with you, whether they want to learn more about the services or if they want to bring you in to speak? Because I think putting you on a stage in front of an organization would be phenomenal. Oh, you're an angel. I appreciate you saying that. I take that very much to heart. Um, all they have to do is go to my website, the ready, R-E-A-D-Y-Z-O-N-E.com, the readyzone.com. And also, uh, people can also download my book too, which I highly, I would suggest that people do, which is, is, is talks about everything we talked about today. It's called better leaders, better people, better results, six eye opening strategies to thrive through change. You did not ask for, <laughs> so they can go down and download that. And plus, yeah, get in touch with me easily that way. So what do you not do? I mean, I just forgot. I didn't even mention <laughs> author, you know, yeah, I mean, written a book, speak. Wow. I'm selling you short over here. That's awesome. Uh, I'm on the website and looking at the book and that looks incredible. Um, as well. And I mean, and you mentioned it, better leaders, better people, better results. I mean, that's what you need in an organization. But what we talk about, I, I left a job that I, it was a very stressful environment. Now I love my job. I've been here almost seven years. I love work. I love the people I work with. Look, every day you're going to have some things if you're, you know, a specific person in an organization. But with this, I absolutely love it. So one of the things that I think corporate America organizations, a lot of people have this conversation all the time is, is, is focusing less away from bottom line and convincing them more that training is beneficial. You have to be more than just the results from your PL, right? What are you telling leaders to not only focus on, but really to engage their employees, engage their entire team, create that culture. And like you say, create a better leader, better people, better results, where it's not so much just about money, because we mentioned this previously, millennials, yes, everybody wants to make money, but there's so much more into that. And it's really, I, I don't want to say the older leaders, but it's them that have to change, right? Because millennials are not going to change. The way you led somebody 20 years ago, it ain't going to work anymore. And in, it, it, I kind of look at it this way. You're either going to change or your company is going to go out of business because nobody's going to want to work there. So what are you telling leaders specifically to get away from what bottom line? That's not the most important. It is important, but it's not the most important. And can, can convince them really that training is that next beneficial step to create the environment that everybody can thrive in well i'll give you an example that actually is very financially related so maybe it flies in the face you you're just saying, but it's tangential what i mean by that is let's just look at something as and and i want to be clear that what we're talking about is less about training and more about employee development period how do you develop people at every single level because i could tell you stories like we're launching a, an executive think tank for an executive vice president level, that that layer is completely underserved. No one's doing any development with these folks. They're just like, oh, they're run a PNL, they're good. But that's not true. But here's here's what I mean. Let's just take an area of communication, right? We all talk for a living, right? You're saying how many episodes you have, right? So I talk for a living, right? So 70%, here's, I'll just run through some data that I find horrifying. So 70% of employees avoid tough conversations with their boss, their colleagues, and their direct reports. Probably no surprise there, right? So that's about an average of $7,500 per conversation lost in time and resources. One in five employees estimate uh, their inability to speak up in crucial moments has lost the company more than $50,000. 
Mm. And 40% estimate that they waste about two weeks ruminating about something. And U.S. employees spend about close to three hours a week dealing with conflict, and that equals about $59 billion in paid hours. Wow. So if you, that's why when people stand in front of me and they're like soft skills, I'm like, I'm sorry, but I don't see anything soft about these skills. Hmm. So if you just want to educate and lead and have people engage, even in just having productive conversations with each other, I think we'd have a lot of money saved just based on the data that I shared with you. So there is actually a tangible fundamental connection between the skills that we are talking about and bottom line dollars. And if you think of it just in a minor level, if I do it 1% of what we're talking about and I can retain one person, how much money have I already saved? Now, what you what we're all talking today about an exponential bleed. So if I retain one person by doing a few things, boy, that'll save me, I don't know, let's say $200,000, right? But now you're seeing companies, I, I have a client who has to hire almost 300 people. Hmm. So you just magnify that and the amount of money is crazy. So I think, so I would say to you, there's an absolute bottom line dollar connection to every single thing that we're talking about today. They're not soft skills, they're hard skills and there's hard costs associated with it. I just think we need to start changing our perspective on it and get with the program. Which I love is what that. you're talking about. Yeah, I love that answer. And I, and I love that you kind of said, hey, that's not really what it is. Because if you just look at something from this and this, it's like, well, we don't, don't need to focus on bottom line. But everything is driven by that. And if we focus right. on the training and the culture and the people, our bottom line is going to improve. If we only focus on that's this, right. it's actually going to go down. So I love how you put that together because you're right. It all flows in the same way. And these numbers are $59 billion waste. I mean, that is blows my mind. Um, but that is fascinating. So again, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? We're going to get you in touch with Jen Snyder Gibson at the Hood Hargit Breakfast Club. I think you would be a phenomenal speaker at our events. We bring in high level, national level speakers. She does an amazing job. And it's always a great event with a lot of C-level people here in the Charlotte area. But I think we all need to hear from you. Get you on stage and let you do your thing. So I'm going to make that connection. But for everybody else listening, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Simple. Just go to thereadyzone.com and you'll find information like you talked about and you can easily get reach me through there. Amazing. You are a phenomenal woman. That's all I have to say. I mean, this is, it's incredible. And, and, but you look at the companies that you've been able to support, like you're changing the way businesses run on a global scale and you're doing it the right way to challenge these large organizations to, to, to do the right thing, basically. I mean, it, it, it all comes down to this, like be a good person. It's pretty simple, right? If we all do that and we listen and we learn and we try to really build a team that wants to be together, that's how our communities will get better. Our country will get better and we need more people like you. So I appreciate everything that you've been doing. Well, thank you so much. I'm grateful for the two of you today and for your time. Thank, thank you. you for all this. I love it. Like we always mention, please like, share, comment. We uh, will get you in touch um, with the Ready Zone anytime if you're interested, but go check out their website. And again, uh, thank you so much for joining us. It was absolutely incredible. Uh, until next time, you have been listening to this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. You've 
You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.